Hello, dear friends, and welcome to the Great Day Podcast. I'm your friend and host, Mayor Kay, and I am so grateful that you chose today to hang out on this podcast with me, and it really means a lot, the support. Um, my heart's filled with gratitude. So thank you so much for being here. And I wanted to say thank you to Kevin, Kevin Vance, who's our uh, guest today on this podcast. He's an incredible human being. I loved, loved, loved recording this podcast with him. And to give you some context as to who Kevin is, um, let me just give you a little bit of a bio. So Kevin is a U.S. military veteran. He was surrounded by artists in his youth that inspired and injected him with purpose to create. His surroundings were filled with writers, natural history filmmakers, actors, and painters. After university, Kevin began his career as a Navy SEAL, deploying to various parts of the globe. With a diverse background as a corpsman, SEAL, firefighter, and a rescue specialist, Kevin channels the depth of his experiences to bring authenticity into his work as a writer and an actor. And he, uh, Kevin actually was in part of quite a few different productions, but two of which are my favorite, which is End of Watch and Fury. Two incredible films. If you haven't seen it yet, go ahead and check them out. Uh, Kevin is also very, very, very passionate about supporting veterans and bringing awareness to the veteran about the veteran community. One of the many topics that we chat about in this podcast. So, I mean, there's not much to say other than Kevin is an extraordinary man and embodies how healthy masculinity shows up in this world. I am inspired by how Kevin shows up, who he is, and I'm very excited to share this conversation with you. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this podcast with Kevin Vance. Kevin, it's great to be uh, yeah, sharing space with you uh, in person. Pleasure. Yeah, it's so great. I, I've been doing a lot of podcasts via Zoom, so mm. already I feel like a, a, it's a different energy when you're actually in person with, with for somebody. For sure, for sure. Yeah. And, it's, and it's wonderful to be here to be able to get to know you a little bit better uh, and be a part of your messaging as well. It's very important to me. Thank you. Yeah. Um, just uh, we, we had a beautiful bio that people heard a little bit about you, but... Um, you know, already here you are standing and you're to give off like this big, you know, masculine presence. And, um, you know, you're six, four, maybe six, five. I don't know. I'm sizing you up here. Also, I did some Wikipedia research. So I'm not guessing, uh, muscular man. Uh, but you have really kind eyes mm. and those eyes have seen a lot in life and mm. experienced a lot. Um, but yet it seems like you're also very much in touch with like your feminine side. It's, you know, you have like the sensitivity, you have great listening skills, um, compassionate and this is also from like listening to podcasts that you've been on yeah. i guess it's uh i guess where i'm going with this is uh and we're gonna jump around here today because just because but how have you been able to cultivate this have you always had this side to you this other like this this feminine side to you or is it something you cultivated later on your years yeah i i grew up in a family where there were matriarchs um and i was very blessed uh, unfortunately both my grandfathers had passed before i was born so i had grandmothers Right. We're, we're, that were essentially the elders of our family. Mm -hmm. And then due to some unfortunate circumstances, my father, um, when I was in my teenage years, was critically hurt um, with, to the point where he couldn't work again for like a significant period of time. And mm -hmm. my mother was a nurse. So my mother went to grad school while she was nursing. So I didn't see wow. very much my mother. So she you know she had made a huge impact on my life just in terms of our, our willingness um resiliency of the human spirit uh the drive um that that one can harness you know to protect the family 
And I've always had those, those big influences in my life. Um, and you know, those, those women were very, very strong, specifically the grandmothers coming from World War II and escaping Europe and, and really, uh, destroyed, um, a destroyed countryside in England and, and post famine in England, they came to the United States for, for better opportunities. So they brought their wisdom and, but they also brought their kindness. Right? The world was suffering at that time. And, um, love was something that was very, very important in, in our family and being very close. Mm. Wow. So they really passed it on. I mean, I have a similar, um, respect for my grandparents. I mean, my great grandmother as well, who, uh, you know, she had a smile that lit up a room and she also came from a lot of suffering. And there's something about that generation, um, which I feel like, um, maybe I'm generalizing here, but like in the East, they respect the elders a lot more. And, and mm. here in the West, we sort of like push them aside, laugh at them, lock them up in the in old age home. <laughs> like we don't, you know, I, I, I can agree with that to a certain extent. I just think that, you know, coming from back East myself and being born yeah. on the East coast, um, I think the winter has something to do with it too. It keeps everyone really close and yeah. huddled and the family's a lot closer on the West coast. We have so much beauty that's available to us, so much nature and so many outdoor activities that, um, and then the pressure, right. Of keeping up and, totally. and the cost of living. Right? I'm, right. I'm also thinking, I'm also talking when I say the East, I'm also saying like the East of the world, like oh, Asia yeah. and like, yeah. and you know, <laughs> yeah. compared to like the Western, the America, America, yeah. you know, like the more modern societies. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. But it does exist in this <laughs> but I country think where you went with New York and California. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Right. I hear that. Right. It's a, uh, it's a beautiful state. I, I mean, it's yeah. why you're here. California yes. has yeah. just moved out it, here for a year, for a year, for the full year you could be outdoors if you really wanted to yeah. it's it's a wonderful place to be but you do have to work very hard to sustain a living here yeah big time so that's take me back i mean there, you have a, an incredible life thus far um between your military career uh, being a mm -hmm. navy seal uh which you know led you to some incredible acting fury one of my favorite films mm -hmm. um and how I got connected through you is hearing you on John Bernthal's uh, podcast, which I highly recommend everybody to listen to or watch on YouTube. Um, but that being said, you did grow up. I know from the little that I know is that your dad was in the arts. So he radio host, he did some writing mm -hmm. and that your mom was a nurse, like you mentioned, uh, and then let, moved on to being a chairman of the, um, I believe in the drug and addiction um, society. Yes. Um, association. Yes. Um, but growing up in a, in a, in a family that has some of that creativity and, and, was that something that you were drawn to or you knew right away that it wasn't something you wanted to be a part of? You know, it's funny. I, I went to grad school and I studied film with the GI bill that I had at the time. Um, and it was in the arts. It was in filmmaking. I've always been drawn towards, um, natural history filmmaking like Jacques Cousteau mm. and, you know, shows like wild kingdom and and now, currently, today, if you look at Blue Planet or, you know, Love Planet it. Earth mm -hmm. with David Attenborough, right? Just incredible programming. The The natural world has always fascinated me. Um, and today, you know, I that's all morphing into, you know, uh, based on my experience, essentially, is, is reaching out and, and engaging with people of service and veterans and and putting them on film to tell their story. So essentially, like you're doing. But this would be kind of in in my own personal niche. Yeah, I love that. And before we start recording, you talked about how you you want to go ahead now and like create a podcast where you're going to be talking to veterans and 
you like know. you said, a love letter to to America, to, to this country. Yeah. I would love to hear a little bit more about what what that looks like. Well, it, it, the impetus was, you know, in in sort of our fractured nation, and you look at the polarization, you look at what certain political actors are doing to capitalize on fear and anger, which are very powerful emotions, and certainly emotions that I'm familiar with. Um, I, I know that how those emotions specifically can deeply resonate in people and create reactions in people. But I'm a firm believer in love. I'm a firm believer in our, in our civic bonds and our civic bonds are far more important than our political views, our personal political views. Um, and having served in the military, being a current firefighter now for over 14 years here in California, I see the good and and what people are doing every day and the sacrifices they make of their own personal well-being and their families and they come from all walks of life. Everyone's unified in in service and helping other human beings. Um that being said, there's a tremendous amount uh, to be gained from the wisdom of those individuals that have led a life of service. So essentially what I, you know, my dream is to do is to travel across the country um and essentially write a love letter to our country countrymen and countrywomen that to expose them to these wonderful people who have dedicated themselves to serving other humans mm. and the ultimate sacrifice in so many ways i mean to show mm. up for our country and, and for our freedom to be able to go out and and, and keep us safe and mm. so i ask you how is it that you you, you seem so well put together and uh, i know within the mil- within the, the veteran community there's a lot of mental health issues, mm. a lot of PTSD, a lot of um, suicide. Um, how are you? How were you able to come through this experience? And like, here we are having this really deep, meaningful conversation, and you have your life together. You have a family. You got kids. How are you? How do you think you're able to keep that going? Um, well, it's it's not to say that um, I've read some books, right? And I'm espousing some knowledge that I've gained from books. I suffered some traumatic uh, injuries overseas to my brain and to my spine that had a direct effect on my well-being in my life. Um, The brain injury specifically affected the biochemistry in my brain. That had a direct effect on my family Um, and my relationship with my wife. It was very difficult for her to see her husband struggling. Um, But I had, you know, our, our, our marriage is strong enough where we can support and have these open conversations. And she knew that, um, I was fully aware that something was off and I needed to seek help. Um, I reached out to my veteran community across the country. Hey, what programs are you involved in? What's working for you? What, what brain stimulation programs or healing modalities are out there that are effective? And that's the wonderful thing about the veteran community. It's this massive network of people who are like, Hey, you know, we know, we know that antidepressants aren't the solution. We know that opioids aren't the solution. There is a solution out there. And what I found along the way through various treatment uh, modalities is part of that was my deep human connection with other human beings was that was a critical factor in my well-being. Yeah. Coming from the military where you're serving a singular purpose together, you're sacrificing for one another, you're so uh, tightly intertwined with one another Mm. trust is just it's to it's in the bones of of everyone serving and then coming to a fractured society where there's a lot of me there's a lot of i you can 
Wow. I mean, the greatest example, I think, is in a lot of politicians on social media. Just read the languaging. Me, me, I, I, I. And it was, uh, it was too prevalent, right? But, um, but along my path and along my healing path, um, I made some wonderful connections with people. Um, it also taught me to really dig deeper into my, into my spirituality. Um, and it reinforced the fact that along my healing journey, part of my healing, uh, would be, uh, would, what was necessary was being of service to other human beings. So my service continues and I love it. Um, as it relates to veteran suicide, we just unfortunately hit a, a milestone that, you know, I don't think anyone will appreciate is the the number that's been prevalent in society today is uh, 22 a day. 22, 22 a day. 22 veterans oh a day. Oh, my God. So oh since God. the early 2000s, we've lost 125,000 veterans. Um, that's more than any war. You right. Know? It's, it's an epidemic. Um, and these are America's sons and daughters. And, you know, what I want to make people aware of is, I don't have the solutions, but I'm letting people know there are solutions out there. And it starts with us. It starts with deeply connecting with other human beings. And if you know a veteran, I would just ask people just, hey, just reach out, check in, see, you know, how are you doing? What's going on? Mm. Um, and be very present for them. Um, because I, I, I believe from that community, what people want more than anything are deep meaningful relationships and and friendships right? right in life like we all do and it's necessary for 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 our well-being um but you we've hit this spike lately unfortunately and especially in the special operations community um it's becoming too common and now we've hit a spike of 44 a day wow so 44 veterans a day currently are committing suicide and it's something very near and dear to my heart um um, and you know, I, I do a lot of, I, I do a lot of praying, but I, I'm also very, very proactive in the sense of what programs, um, can I be a part of what, what, um, what programs can I make other people aware of? Um, but also what, how can I educate myself in a manner that's going to be a greater service to people? Um, so I can be of greater value because we're just, we're just, unfortunately, we're losing too many good people. Wow. That's, that's, I mean, that's a crazy number and that is mm. so sad. Um, and it's amazing. And it gives me hope that someone like in your stature with your experience is stepping into this field and is going to voice that, bring it to awareness as this podcast will do as well, but also that you'll be you know, helping, helping this community that needs it so much. Well, it's, it's, it's not just me. I, you know, I, I, what I love about this country and if you don't mind me sharing the anecdote was, I have a very good friend, uh, Carrie Houlihan, who's a lifeguard in San Diego, and we've known each other for over 20 years. Um, and years ago, when I f was first on my deployment cycle, we were I think we were at a dinner together with a bunch of friends, and she had mentioned something that incredible, something incredible had happened to her on the beach uh, that day. Well, Normally in, in San Diego during the summer, there's not very many swells that come through. So it's relatively safe conditions. But mm -hmm. on this particular day, there was a significant swell that came through. And those swells create have energy, right? And they create rip currents. And those rip right. currents endanger the public. 
Um, and during the process of these lifeguards making what's called a mass rescue, multiple people caught in a rip current, lifeguards running out and saving those people. Um, and while she was coordinating all these uh, uh, rescue, uh, these rescues, um, after they had completed these rescues and gotten everyone to safety, there was a family from India visiting from India. And the father came over and talked to Carrie and said, you know, Carrie, um, you know, I, I have to share something with you. And she said, you know, go ahead, share. And he essentially said, you know why we love this country? And she said, you know, can you tell me? Yeah. <laughs> and he goes, because you put so much value on life. And I think that that's what makes the Western world so special is we do put such a such a high value on life and what we're willing to do to preserve it. So when we talk about the veterans issues, I'm, I really want to touch the hearts of Americans is like we all have it in the power of us. We all value it so much. Yeah. And these men and women need help. Um, and however you can help, like I'm asking, please, please reach out and and do what you can, even then, if that's write a congressman. Right. Um, if that's reaching out to a veteran personally that, you know, um, or just looking up what programs are specifically tackling this issue, these nonprofits that you can support. Mm. Amazing. We'll have any links in the show notes, too, for people to like reach out to organizations that are doing the good work. Um, yeah. And it's, it's quite powerful how, like you said, like it really comes down to that human connection. Like I know in the recovery mm -hmm. world, the addiction world, the opposite of addiction it's not sobriety. It's actually, it's connection. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's having two people eye to eye, having a real conversation, mm -hmm. um, which is, I, which I'm sort of touching on hearing you speak about what goes on in the military is like men coming together, women in the respective fields. And there's that trust, there's that honesty, you know, you got their back and you leave that this bubble mm -hmm. and you come to this world and it's like people looking out for themselves. There's some cheating, some lying, there's some, and that could really confuse a person that could really be really scary and, and and one could lose himself in all that like where, you know, yeah. where are my where are my people um so that's really really important and to sort of segue into a space where like where i would love to talk about which is close and near dear to my heart which is um men's work and and mm -hmm. having you know looking around seeing seeing this new generation of men i'm i'm in my early 30s i'm 32 i'm seeing younger guys reaching out to me asking me for some guidance for advice um, and having my own struggles becoming a man and going into adulthood, uh, in your presence of your, your man of leadership in the military and, and outside of it, what, where does one begin or how to say this? Um, what do you feel like in your perspective is sort of lacking, um, in, in, in the, in the world of, of what men need today mm. and, uh, and where could, where could we grow in that and find that? I, well, I, my first inclination is I think that our bonds are, you know, have slowly evaporated over time. Uh, we become more digital, right? Life has become more convenient, which means we don't have to rely on each other as much, which means ultimately we're not interacting as much. Um, and this is the first time in human civilization where human beings are acting like this, essentially. And it's, and it's critical, you know, uh, obviously I've had a front row seat my whole life of service and, and while serving in the military and serving as a firefighter to the wonderful things in humanity, uh, the teamwork that's involved to accomplish those, those objectives and or missions and or, you know, emergency calls. Um, but that's also exposed me to the despair or a lack of hope in these impoverished communities. 
um, but it really makes you reflect. Um, so when it comes to bonds, you know, it's, it's hard for men to say, Hey, you know, Hey, do you want to hang out? Right. Cause it's, yeah. it's like a leap of faith. It's very uncomfortable, right? Because it's basically telling someone I'm lonely, but I can guarantee you that more times than not, that that person's feeling the same thing. Right. Would yeah. You, I mean, yes. I think, yeah, I think, totally. hundred percent. I, I know the fear would... around asking. I also know like usually if someone asks me, I'm like, yes, okay, let's hang out. <laughs> but, but again, going back to the power of the individual as well as is, is like, well, how can we fill those needs and those voids that are essential to, you know, the human experience. And I think that it's, uh, it's just an easy step. Like find out who needs help or what program needs help or what nonprofit needs another volunteer. And if you step into that, um, I'm a big proponent, uh, of, of the messaging of, of universal connection. Um, if you step in and be of service in some capacity to other human beings, the universe is going to answer in some capacity. It, in not a direct way, but in an indirect way. And I'm living proof of that. Wow. Wow. How do you, could you expand a bit more about that? Yeah. Cool. yeah. So going to all of these different behavioral wellness seminars and, and, um, performance, human performance seminars and wellness seminars in some capacity, I've met a tremendous amount of people. Um, and, um, and one woman specifically that I met at one of these seminars got to know my story a little bit better. Um, and she's, she's basically developing a documentary about better medicine. Um, she asked me to be a part of it. And she said, the caveat is, you know, you'll be treated with the most state of the art care, um, that can help your brain heal. Um, without any biochemical intervention, all natural with peptides and stem cells so that I can recover. And it was, I mean, I was so humbled by that great, the graciousness of that massive gift. Um, it's tens of thousands of dollars that I'll be receiving. Wow. Uh, but hopefully, you know, with some very positive results, um, I can become a steward and an advocate for this type of treatment for other veterans who are suffering from brain injuries as well. So as I continue my life of service, things keep populating in my life, very, very positive things. Mm. And I deepen my relationships with people. I meet new, wonderful people all the time. I'm right. And essentially we've met very indirectly because of that. Yeah. And it's all byproduct of committing myself to helping other people. Mm. Yeah, one hundred percent. And I think that's it's like the gift that keeps on giving. The more you put into it, the more you'll get back. And mm. like I said, it may not be in an obvious way, but you look out for the signs, and it helps for me as well to like lean more into my spirituality as well. And uh, and I'm able to like now like name those signposts in a way, and like see connect those dots a little bit more, and realize like wow, like it all really we're all here to support each other and we're all really connected the illusion is that we're separate but we're all having separate uh you know may, the ego wants to make us keep us separate we're all really connected and to walk each other home as ramdas says which i really love is mm. that's is yeah we're, we're just really all, all on the same team connection is currency connection is currency i like that a lot yeah, yeah totally oh that's a good one <laughs> <laughs> That's a very good one. Yeah. So with men, uh, going back also, you talk about, like a, a, I've heard it on, on the podcast with John is like, um, like you have, you have like this mindset, like a really strong mental mindset mm. and that it helps, you know, when, when you're in the military, being in a very sticky situation to like not lose your, you know, lose your cool and to be able to still function. Um, 
are there any transferable, I mean, I'm sure it's all transferable to your life, but are there any like little tips or lessons that you've learned from your military service that men who are not in the military, but who were able to like, like some truths of what it means to be a man, to be able to transfer to our lives now in the day to day? Yeah. I, I think when it comes to the ego, the ego can either lead the way, um, uh, or right. It can, it can be a partner. Um, and every man knows that at some point his ego will or has gotten us into trouble. Yeah. Um, and, and it's to really understand the ego for, for all its worth and its value. And it does, it, it helps us accomplish our goals. It drives ambition, right? It, um, it drives us to succeed and achieve, um, achieve what we want in our lives. Um, but at the same time, as you, right, as you get a little bit older and maybe a little bit wiser, um, you have to understand that, um, if the ego is at the forefront for too long, um, it's, you know, you're going to run headlong into a wall. It's through humility. It's through spirituality. It's through benevolence. It's through these, these, um, these higher virtues as I would call them, um, where we really get deeply rooted in our hearts and in ourselves, um, in our soul work. Yeah. Right. Um, and our spirit takes, right. Our spirit takes the lead, mm-hmm. uh, in our lives and you, and we need to cultivate that, right. Understand that the ego is a tool and it can be used, but really who we're developing is the whole human being, the complete human being. And that's the essence of that is I think in our spiritual practices. Yeah. And was that being spiritual? Was that something you were, you had with you in your military service? Or is this something that you cultivated or came across later in life? I, uh, I, I was warned by a very good friend before I joined the military. She says, are you sure you want to do this? And I said, well, what are you getting at? She <laughs> said, well, she's like, you understand that you're walking into a spiritual prison. Um, and that's not to bash a life of service in the military, but she knew me well enough to know that I was going to dedicate myself to a specific life. And that life was going to require a lot of me um, and a lot of my focus and a lot of my attention. And that discipline served purposes at that time. When I started to deploy, I never went on a deployment without some book that could keep me grounded. It was very difficult and it was a challenge, but since suffering some injuries and having to deal with loss um, and and being in certain circumstances where I know family members that have lost loved ones, their their brothers or their fathers or their husbands, um, you know, it it really focused, it really forced me to to reflect on my overall human experience and essentially what is death, right? What is life? Um, what do I want in this life? Um, what do these people need? Because I could see that there was so much pain at times. Um, and, and that's that those elements initially started my journey and then my own, my own injuries and my own brain injuries, you know, to, to be feeling like you're losing control at times because your biochemistry is off because critical elements of your brain and brain function are damaged. Mm. Um, was scary and humbling. So staying rooted in humility was a huge thing. But again, having the faith to know that there are answers out there, there are solutions out there and just continue to be, you know, a seeker of that. And then 
right? And then you'll be able to speak to it for your friends and your colleagues who may be in similar situations. Yeah. Yeah. That's usually the biggest gift to, I mean, when you're going through it, it could be so difficult. Like why me and what's going on and why? And then when we're able to get through that darkness, it becomes the most powerful tool. So we're able, we're able to get, you know, get down there yeah. uh, in, in, in the, in the, in the darkness with our friends and like, Hey, I've been here before. And like, you know, this could be a way out. And that, that I think you're, you're really wise to bring up that darkness because at some point in our lives, we're all going to be confronted with some darkness. But I heard someone once speak about that in terms of being vulnerable and, um, the vulnerability is a pathway towards healing and and the more vulnerable i make myself the more i do heal um, and the more open i become and that openness uh, a lot of men would see as vulnerabilities or weakness um, or cracks and i would argue that those cracks are what the let, let the light in Mm. Right. That's where the light gets in in those cracks. Totally. Yes. And and it's so important that the message is coming from a guy like you. You know what I mean? And, and it, because we are we we do size people up and like mm. for and and physically and 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 we live in this physical world. You know, it's very um, competitive. It's very competitive. And and to hear it from a man who's you know, who has the experience of you have Navy Seal, strong man. You know, all, check 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 what a, what a man may look like externally, but also could turn very very toxic very quickly. But to hear how you talk about vulnerability and how that's a strength, not a weakness, and mm. reaching out, being a man of service, uh, I think it, it's so important that it comes from a, from a man like yourself because it's it's like men will respect you and like, oh wait, maybe I've got it all wrong. Like maybe it's okay to lean into my emotions to talk to somebody. Yeah, and and you know also with, and I say this very humbly as well as like a lot of these answers weren't derived from myself or just coming from passages in a book. It came from me listening to other people with a deeper sense of wisdom, whether they were professionals or acquaintances or friends or colleagues or references on YouTube and listening to spiritual masters, right? And filling myself with light, essentially, right? I right. I, I, I viewed it as nutrition. We always think about our, our well-being, right, as directly related to the food we put in ourselves it's sure. it, the necessary the necessary nature of highly nutritious food but what's even more important is our spiritual development and our spiritual well-being it's even more critical to our health yeah and what you put inside right will will have a resonating effect there's a story that or or basically a metaphor that Adyashanti, who's a Buddhist monk, shares about Jesus. And he shares um, the story of transmission. And he's, he makes the, the parallel between a guitar that's being played and a, pl- and a guitar on the other side of the room that's just sitting there. Well, just through sound vibration, right? there's resonance. And that guitar on the other side of the room will have a sympathetic resonance. It will play the same frequency without even being touched. Mm. And I think as human beings, we have that ability as well. Mm. It's just in our messaging. And if it comes from a very true source within ourselves and our heart, that will resonate with other people. Yeah. Yeah. And in in Jewish tradition, it says what, what comes from the heart enters the heart, Mm. you know, and that, and that could be felt, you know, you could have, and I've known that, like I've had a speech before, like trying to speak to kids and have it all like worded out nicely, but then 
I'll freeze or just like it's not connecting. I'll just like speak from my own experience in a really raw manner. And I could may see the principal squirming in the back over there like, oh, don't go there. But afterwards, whatever I said off script really is what the, 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 the students talk about afterwards and they come over and thank me for it. So like, yeah, it's like what's what's going on you know beyond the cloth beyond our physical body what's from our heart and connect with people that way and that that brings me to a question i have for you is is looking at some of your content what i found fascinating is is that you're so willing to put yourself out there hi i'm jewish would you give me a hug and you're blindfolded yeah right and what a great human experience and right um there's you can see trepidation uh, for certain people who view you as a stranger or an unknown, right? With unknown and uncertainties, people sure. sometimes are unwilling to step in. But what did you ultimately experience from that, right? From that experiment of yourself on the street? Yeah, it was the most, one of the most powerful moving days for personally. And what it came across was the, the goodness in people. And mm. ultimately, uh, I was hugged by people who didn't speak my language or didn't believe in the God that I believed in or didn't believe in God at all. And yet in that vulnerability and that trust, I was, I was held up mm-hmm. and that gives me goosebumps saying, mm-hmm. and, and that's the most beautiful thing because that's, that's, that's Emma's that's truth. Emma's mm-hmm. means the truth in Hebrew. And like, that's the most realist thing. Like in, in the moment of, of yearning and need, there's that attraction. Yes. There's some fear and there's some blockages. And I think that's, you know, people mm-hmm. have to work through that themselves, but generally, I was surprised and I'm a guy who puts himself out there all the time. And yet I was still scared that day because it was, it was a crazy time when I did it and I was scared. I was, it was the unknown. And, uh, and yet even in that there was, I was surprised by how many people came over with hugs and with support and with the words and, and also by people who perhaps on paper would be like the enemy or we wouldn't get along. Um, and they come over and they said, Hey, how are you? I want you to know that I support you. And, uh, and it really speaks to the goodness in human beings. 100%. Yeah. 100%. And I find that similar when I step out of my comfort zone, when I travel out of the States or out of my, you know, outside in the world. Oh, it's so scary. It's really not. Most people are going to stop and say, hey, you look lost. They'll come over and offer, you know, you go over to them. There's most people are good. Most yeah. people are all good. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's the message that I try to bring out to most people is like, Let's just get into a room. Let's have a conversation. Let's just hug each other, high five each other, mm. ask a question, you know, mm. and, and be curious because we really have more in common than what we don't have, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. We, you know, we have the ability to transform other people's lives and it's, you know, just a little bit of investment in other people's lives. It has, it can have a tremendous effect, a cascading effect on their life that, you know, you're, you're, you could potentially be filling a void or setting an example for someone that might be younger than you or somebody who's struggling and give them exactly what they need and you, and you just don't know it. So. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, to, so you have, you have this military experience. Mm-hmm. I, and I, I want to just move into it cause we're, we are in Hollywood and you know, I am an aspiring actor. So, you know, <laughs> Uh, you, 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 it's how cool is it that like, and I don't know if this was even a thought of your, did you even think that one day you would be able to take these skills, the skill set, and be able to not only supervise on, on films, but be in the films yourself? Was that like a trajectory you thought of? No, no, not at all. I was introduced to a director and a producer. Um, and I want to say this is about 2009. Um, I was, I was finishing up, uh, one of my last deployments overseas and, 
I was asked, would you mind just coming in to talk to this panel uh, about your experiences overseas? And no agenda, no politics, just, hey, you know, your perspective. And uh, and I went out there and it was the, just the brutal truth that I shared. Um, and I and that really resonated with people that were usually being um, supplied talking points, right? Mm-hmm. Or political talking points about the war and perspectives or... Um, and may that, I may I just cut you there? May yeah. I, may I ask what was a diff like what was one or two points that you said differently that perhaps would have been mainstream they would have heard and what what got their attention? I think I think really what resonated with them is is that the most important thing that we've accomplished overseas is our relationships with the Iraqis. I had spent time living with the Iraqis. I had spent time, uh, you know, in most major cities throughout the country. Um, breaking bread with them, um, sharing, you know, um, sharing big meals at different holidays with them. Um, and those relationships and those human bonds that we developed over the years were, it, it was incredibly special. You become a part of their family when you were talking about back East, right. Yeah. And our human bonds and sharing a meal with, um, with Iraqis is very special. You're being invited into their home and they're turning you into a guest, but not just a guest, a guest of honor. Mm. They're honoring you in their home. It's a big um, deal. It is a big deal. And it's, and it's a wonderful tradition. Um, so I really spoke to the heart and the resiliency of the human spirit of the Iraqis um, and how many sacrifices they've made. So often in the news, we talk about, maybe the heroic or romanticize certain things about the war, um, which is necessary to celebrate those who make great sacrifices on our end. But I really focused on them and everything that they're due to make a, a massive title shift um, from tyranny to democracy in their country. And just, you know, wonderful people. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, right. So that's, that's like, that was a breath of fresh air for those who are there listening to you. Yeah. Got it. Okay, cool. So you were there and you were listening, you were sharing your experience and then someone there like heard you and invited you to be on set? Um, no. So uh, a writer said, Hey, um, a writer and a director, David Ayers said, Hey, I'm writing uh, uh, a movie uh, and I'm going to send you the script. I love your feedback on it. Cause he knew just from what right. our, our, our small interaction that I was just going to tell him the truth. Um, and I read the script and it was wonderful. And it was about brotherhood and about two young police officers in LA who get into trouble. And, and the next thing I sent some notes back notes back to him, which he didn't necessarily need. <laughs> um, yeah. but just some nuanced things about brotherhood and interactions of, of people, you know, and who spend a lot of time together. And he said, Hey, would you do me a favor? I've only got $6 million to make this movie. Would you be the federal officer in this movie? Well, I'd read the script and the federal officer really was just a back player. It was just kind of a guy in the background. Right. So, okay, I'll be in, right. I'll be in the background of this movie. And the day of when I show up to shoot the scene, he walked up to me and he hands me this little three by five card and he said, here are your lines. <laughs> no way. Oh my God. The day of crazy. So I said, look, you're throwing me to the wolves here. I said, these are two professional actors. They're very good at what they do. Yeah. And I said, Dave, I'm like, what are you doing? And he goes, he'll be fine. We'll do 20 <laughs> takes, 20 takes. Um, and then that really just kind of kicked off 
right? A, a great relationship with Dave, telling great stories from mm-hmm. End of Watch and great and film. Fury, mm-hmm. right? Uh, great and films. working with actors and developing those actors. Um, however, I, however, I you know could be of use to Dave in the film, and you know that you know being in part or or working on different movies in some capacity for. A number of years, right? What does a military supervisor do on these on these films? Well, in pre-production, we'll just work to train with train the actors. So it's really about understanding the mindset of the character mm-hmm. and what can I draw upon. If I don't have the answers, I'll always refer the actors to somebody who has specific experience, and um, whether it's a scene or whether it's their character, yeah. um, I don't profess to know everything. I'm not going to be the end all be all. <laughs> Um, I'm just not, um, but I have a wonderful network, so I would, I would refer them to a lot of people or I would refer them to, uh, different books that I think would hold meaning for their character. Um, and then it's skill sets. So Mm -hmm. if we're going right to chain with weapons, we'll use real weapons, live fire. I'll train them just like any spec ops unit. If that's what the movie, um, and the characters, uh, if that's what resonates, um, for the story, uh, we'll train, um, and then it's a slow indoctrination process. But like for Fury, I mean, I'm obviously not a World War II vet. I can't speak to it, but my my experience uh, in understanding World War II through books and movies, um, and specifically the unit that the main characters were a part of in World War II was, well, they had been at war for three years straight. And my job wasn't necessarily to turn them into a soldier, It was really to give them an experience of what would it be like to be in this stage of war entering Germany after three years of combat. And it was really just drilling down into them and making them so tired in a boot camp. Wow. um, And physically and mentally fatigued and cold and wet and miserable. You're cracking all these big, big names, huh? You're just cracking them down. But in the process, when humans suffer, what do they do naturally? Right. They naturally become yeah. intertwined and bound through that suffering. Uh, mm-hmm. And an esprit de corps develops and a real kinship develops. So the you know, it's it's in a hardship where we find each other, mm-hmm. right? And that's essentially what we wanted to do. So a couple of my friends went to England and set up an eight eight day boot camp for Brad and Cheyenne, John and Mike and Logan and um and put them to the test for, you know, in the cold North Atlantic winds. Oh, man. Sounds <laughs> terrible. <laughs> um, and tents blew down and a, a bunch of wonderful things happened. But uh, but in the end, you know, it was, it was a really an emotional uh, journey for them because, right. right, in the end, it's like now you're, you're so broken down. You're so raw as a human being. Now you have this taste in your mouth, right? right? Don't, right. don't lose that taste. And they... They were wonderful. They're so professional, so good at their jobs and so dedicated to the story that that carried the film. Yeah. You know, their, their commitment, um, and their dedication carried it. It was, you could, it was palpable. You'd feel it. Totally. I mean, how, I mean, you, like you said, you give them a taste. I mean, what does that, that's only, I I can't even imagine it's such a sliver to what the kind of training you guys do in like buds or in Navy SEAL training. I mean, Mm -hmm. what goes on there? Right. Well, essentially it's just, right. You're, you're testing the will of the individual in all these extreme circumstances. Does this individual have the willpower physically and mentally to get through, right. Um, these numerous months of training, 
Um, and for them, it was like, well, what can I do in eight days to compress all of that? that. Right. So, you know, it's creature comforts that obviously are out the window. They're going to wear their World War II uniforms. You're going to be just as cold as these guys were. Wow. Um, you're, we, everything was authentic. The World War II tents, the cots, um, the, you know, so, um, their feet were wet the whole week because of the marshy kind wow. of what they call the cops, these, these open fields from the North Atlantic, cold, you know, moist winds that would come through. So everyone was cold and miserable for a week, but in the end, I mean, we had our wonderful moments. We had laughter, we had tears, we had, um, but you know, it's all, you know, the, the product is, is a direct result of their commitment to the process and the director's trust in me. Mm. Um, yeah. And, you know, hopefully for them, a life-changing experience as well. Truly. And also for all of us, I mean, it's one of those, it's a piece of art that's going to be there forever. So we can always look back at that. And, mm. and it was a really great, did it change your perspective on, 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 uh, on the art of, of filmmaking? Did it illuminate your way of like appreciating films now or, it did. You know, I had only been a part of two smaller films and the the second film that I worked on, I thought that I was done. I just, there were, there were just too many egos um, battling on set for a spotlight. And I, and I knew immediately like, this is, this is not for me. This is not my environment um, coming from the world that I was coming from. Um, but moving on to the set of Fury where it was basically a living museum everything was authentic from the tiger tanks and sherman tanks wow all of the um equipment and vehicles were rented from private owners or put on loan by private owners um the, from costuming and props everything was sourced but we had so many world war ii vets from england um, and from America that had visited the actors and visited the set and shared their experiences. So there was this sense of we need to really dedicate ourselves to tell the story about this wonderful generation and mm. really embody the essence of these people and the sacrifices that they had made. And then on top of that, the actors themselves, I mean, I went from, right. Um, Big, very successful actors that uh, in name, but not in craft to very professional people who have dedicated themselves to art um, and Shia and Brad and John and Mike and Logan have all dedicated their lives to performance art. And that was a huge delineation mm. of these artists who the art was more important than anything. Right. It's yeah. not the billboard. It's not the name. It's not the paycheck. Right. Right. It's being a creator. And that was really special. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. And, and to really give you also like to sort of give you some, some, uh, pat on your back is like hearing how John speaks about you and, and gives you the respect and, um, and, uh, and, and Shia, how he, he names drops you in some conversations about like, you know, looking up to you as a, as a guy. And, and he's actually Shia, someone who I really, I really respect, you know, in his journey and really, uh, really rooting for him in big ways. Um, I already, on my manifestation board, I, I know we're going to be friends one day. Mm. Um, yeah, it's similar, similar stuff there, but it's, you know, and so for you to have that, you know, you know, um, respect from, 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 from other men on and off cameras. Is, is really cool. Well, it goes back to, you know, you never know, you never know where your vulnerability is going to lead you 
but especially with artists, right? If I'm vulnerable as a human being and I'm wide open as a human being and they get a sense of where my heart is as a human being, they artists naturally yeah. very, they responded. I didn't know that at the time. That was just me, but I really developed these wonderful relationships with these men uh, along the way. And now I'm a, a, you know, a huge proponent of their work and I'm, you know, I'm always rooting from them from a distance and, Going back to Shia, I know, I know Shia's had some very tough times the last couple of years overcoming some struggles, but that's my support for him has never waned. We all go through tough times in our lives, and though he is suffering, he's on the path to mend and, and take care of himself and heal, and he's got some great people in his life that are supporting him. And, and the direct result of that, I think, is going to be... Um, you know, when we talked about resonance, Shia's resonance, because he is taking care of himself in a very spiritual way, um, and he is, um, gives atoning, right, for, for his wrongs, and he's owning it, yeah. and he's making himself vulnerable. It's like, that is the pathway that's mm -hmm. going to help so many other people heal, but the good that he does in the inner city is as well, that should never be overlooked. And the kids that he's putting through certain programs and he's supporting, right? It's because he, like me, other people who have invested in me and helped me yeah. when I was suffering, right? That's then carried forth. Right. So yeah, totally. So Shai's going to do great things. I no doubt. Yeah, no, yeah. me too. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. This is the kind of stuff that whatever has happened thus far could only go in deeper depths and, and higher, higher heights because of the work that's being done right now. Yeah. No doubt about it. Um, so to just bring things slowly, um, firefighter, OC yeah. helping people out. Is that just a way for you? You know, you're not in the military now, but to still get that rush to still help people. Like what, <laughs> what was the pivot to fire? Like what was, is that just most, do a lot of guys from the military go to fire and to come? Um, well, law enforcement or fire or, you know, into, into the private sector. But, um, but for me, I knew in my DNA that I thrive in a team environment. Us all had an extensive uh, background in emergency medicine. I was a corpsman in the military. I was a medical officer in my last unit. Wow. Um, that directly. It may be easier to ask you what you haven't done in your life and then just work that way. But okay. <laughs> Sorry, keep and, that, and that directly related to, right, I could... I could now take life by the reins. I, I know I needed to do something. Um, I was done uh, with the war at the time, personally. That's that's not a moral um, challenge to anybody. But at that time, I said, I need to move on. I wasn't married, didn't have a family. And I needed to change my life if I wanted the things I wanted in the future. Mm -hmm. So um, I called my very good friend, Tony, who was my operations officer, uh, at my SEAL team. And I said, Tony, you know, do you, do you like it? And he said, no, he's like, I love it. It's like, let's grab coffee when you come back from deployment. And that started the ball rolling for me and got me introduced to a, a paramilitary culture in a way, uh, but still a culture of, of service and very, very good people dedicated to their communities and helping their communities. Right. And it's not just wearing the helmet, right. And going on these calls. It's also, how these men and women dedicate their off time to raising money for cerebral palsy or the children's hospital, right? There's, mm. there's, uh, it's a really special community to be a part of. It's a lifestyle. It's mm. right. It's not just checking and checking out the office. Yeah, you know, it's, it's not, it's not about person. the paycheck. Right, right, right. right. It's, it, to do that is you have to be a certain person, you know, yeah. that that's, gets attracted to this type of work. Yep. 
That's that's pretty wild. Um, Kevin, anything that you're working on? I know we're talking about the podcast. Is there anything else that you want to talk about that you're involved with, that you're passionate about? Um, uh, no, I, I, nothing really off the top of my head other than, um, you know, I would just like to reiterate to your audience, you know, if you're seeking something or you're looking for something, you just don't know what it is, or you're, you're kind of sitting on idle waiting for something to come into your life. Don't wait, um, really engage and start with engaging with other human beings. And uh, again, you know, because I am the recipient of some stem cells and some peptide therapy that's cutting edge, that's going to potentially change my life. That's a I believe that's a direct result uh, of the fact that I have dedicated myself to helping other people and bringing awareness to certain causes that are important to me um, that are selfless. So, you know, um, if there's so much need that's out there um, and there's so much good that's out there too and good to be done, that we all have it in the power within ourselves to to help other human beings and and really reunite this country. That's a big thing for me. Unite us and and celebrate our common bonds. Mm, that's great. And I, I could you just touch on something and we could keep it a short answer. But like yeah. unite the country, which is such a you know I'm so uh, excited about that because it's gotten so polarized and like it's it's and now it leaks into all our other parts of our lives. Uh, how how did we start dismantling this like ickiness and like this finger pointing uh, to unite? Like, yeah, I, I think, I think where it starts is recognizing what's dividing us. Right. And then if, if we recognize that these are political talking points um, and what are the tools that they're using, the tools that they're using is, is destroy America. The opponent, it wants to do this. The opposition wants to do this and these blanket statements that yeah. all that generate anger and frustration and fear and distrust. And then that erodes into discord and civil discord and that erodes our civic bonds that if we see those tools as destructive um, and recognize that we have far more in common and far more to offer one another than these, what I would say, um, these politicians that are achievement, personal achievement driven and power driven, right? Look into the hearts of these people to see uh, whether their message is genuine and where that message is coming from. Because on both sides, we've got good people that want to solve big solutions for this country. And we have to begin to listen to one another, but don't fall trapped to right to those destructive natures and that destructive messaging, because that's just going to create more pain in your life. Right. Really, again, the yeah. cracks, allow the light to come in through the, your own cracks yeah. and fill your own cup. And, and that starts with helping other people. And once you start helping other people, then uh, I guarantee you some wonderful things are going to start coming your way. I guarantee it. I love it. Yeah. Kevin, thank you so much for sharing your thank time you. and space today. It's really great, great chatting with you. Thank you so much. Yeah. It's been it's been wonderful getting to know you and I can't wait to see what you develop in the future. Thanks. And if I can be of any service to you and make any connections for you in this town, I'm happy. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, man. Love you, man. Love you, too. <laughs> love you too. Awesome. Dear friends, thank you so much for tuning into this podcast episode with Kevin Vance. Your participation, your listening, your support goes a long way. So be sure to give this a subscribe, a like, a comment on any platform that you are listening to this podcast on. It goes a very, very long way. 
Kevin, thank you. Thank you, Kevin Vance, for being on the podcast, making the time to speak with me and to share your experiences. It's uh, incredible of how you showed up and what you've done so far in your life and what you want to continue doing. It's really inspiring to me as someone who wants to bring more uh, awareness and life and and light into this world. So uh, thank you. It's great to meet another lamplighter. Friends, don't be uh, don't be shy. Reach out to me. I'd love to hear from you, whether it's through the comments on the podcast, whether it's hitting me up on social media, at Mayor K, M-E-I-R-K-A-Y. And of course, uh, we'll be back with another podcast episode with another incredible human being to chit-chat and to inspire. So until then, I'm Mayor K, and have a great day. Mm-hmm.